and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and I'm joined today by Luke. Hello. By Emily. Hello. By Claire. Hiya. And by Paul. Hi. And today we are carrying on our series looking at the Salvation Army's mission priorities. Uh, And today's episode is focusing on nurture disciples of Jesus. And as always, if you're listening to these podcasts and you're thinking, yes, I'd love to carry on this conversation, I'd love to share my thoughts and experiences, please do um, please do that by joining us in the SSOM listener group on Facebook. And yeah, we'd love to carry on the conversation there. Uh, Today, we are kicking off the episode by passing over to Paul for uh, what could be a new segment of the podcast. I'm excited about it, and I'm calling it, branding this, Paul's Tenuous Icebreaker. So oh, off you go, Paul. If anyone wants to write in with a theme tune, uh, you can That'd be great, send that Ed's way. Um, so to give context to my crazy icebreaker, we were talking before the podcast about what questions we wanted to ask in uh, this evening. So yeah, we had a few uh, conversations about... Um, silly conversations about discipleship and friendship and all the different ships that we have in our lives. Um, so my first question was immediately, how many people fit in the discipleship? Um, which then led on to my thought for an icebreaker question. And like I said, this is tenuous, but if you were, um, I'm going to go with taking um, a long voyage by yourself on a ship. This is a normal ship. You don't have to do any sailing or anything like that. You're just going to be steering the ship. Um, You're steering it yourself. Yeah, you're, it's just you, so you're going to have to. Whoa, okay, this changes everything. Obviously, the ship's got navigation and stuff, so you don't have to worry about maps. Okay. Um, it, this is a high-tech ship. Um, you can take three personal belongings. What are you taking with you on your ship? Are we allowing the Bible as an answer? Uh-huh. You nah. can, but I will judge you. <laughs> Obviously, the standard thing to take on a ship, well, anywhere, is cake. Obviously, standard, lots of. Um, and also a rubber ring, because you never know when it's going to go terribly wrong. Cake yeah. and a rubber ring, that's what you take on the ship. Don't need the third. Not even going with the third one. <laughs> Cake for when it's good, rubber rings for when it's bad, nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> what a philosophy for life that is. <laughs> I probably would take a Toblerone, just because yeah. they're really good. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume that this ship, with it being so high tech, means that I don't need a rubber ring. Sorry, bold, bold move. Um, and I would take maybe like a sentimental item with me, um, like a teddy bear or something. I feel like I don't know enough about this ship, Paul, to be honest. But I don't think we've got enough time to get into it more. So I'm just going to take a Toblerone and a teddy bear. <laughs> Essentials. Yeah, I've got a question about the ship, actually. I just like clarifying. Um, you say it's very high tech. Are we saying it's so high tech that the chances of it crashing or or me needing to do, have some sort of nautical experience are, are, are zero? Um, is, is that the case? Um, I wouldn't say zero, but I would say even with your limited knowledge of how to drive a drive a ship captain a ship i'm going to be captain I'm not sure what the verb is. extremely limited knowledge there it is well you can tell by the fact that i don't know what the verb is for steering yeah. a ship <laughs> i would say even with that amount you've got a very good chance of not you know capsizing or okay 
Right, I'm going to take uh, a Kindle, and on that Kindle, uh, How to Sail for Dummies is loaded, just in case, um, and lots of nautical-themed books. And um, I'm going to take a guitar for entertainment, so I can just sit and on the deck of this ship and, and sing the blues. And uh, then I will also take uh, just a really big vat of uh, curry from Kashmiri Aroma, uh, my favourite uh, curry place. Other curry houses are available. But they're not as good. So True. <laughs> um, working on the assumption that this is a high-tech ship and that I won't have to um, sail the ship all the time, um, I will take a nice comfy seat because I like to have a nice sit down and just watch the ocean. Um, similar um, musical theme, um, probably bring um, a drum kit along because that way the neighbours can't complain, um, because I'm going to be out in the ocean, obviously, all by myself. Um, and probably a giant tub of custard creams. Wow. Because custard creams are just the best biscuit there is, in my humble opinion. So I think if I had a load of custard creams but no cups of tea, that would be a sort of torture in itself. Because if I have a custard cream, I need a cup of tea with it. Uh, but you're not a hot drink drinker, are you? No, I'm not. So <laughs> the fact you didn't say tea yet is an absolute travesty. But yeah, I also think that um, probably when the Titanic set sail, everybody assumed it was technically advanced enough that they wouldn't need these things. So we've probably all completely like done this wrong. And I've got a rubber ring. It's all good. <laughs> that's the only one that's going to survive this so thank you claire yeah. well done claire although how long you could survive in the middle of an ocean with a rubber ring uh, i don't know depends how much cake you've got did you have a good answer for this paul i had zero answers i was the question master not the answer master <laughs> um i think i would take i was thinking like um i was thinking a kindle as well um can't have it now. I can't have it now. I'm going to go with a fishing rod, I think. I'm not sure what else there'll be to do, but there will definitely be water, so I might learn to fish. Um, I can't have the Kindle because Ed's taking it, so I'm going to go for an iPad instead. Obviously, it's a high-tech ship, so it will charge its... You know, there'll be charging points. Um, I think I would take tea bags, although milk would be an issue. I'm reckon like a tea making kit is an item, okay. isn't it? Yeah, that's fair. I think that that's a, that's a single thing is a tea making kit, and we'll find out in the next episode if we survived or not. Wow, how are we going to simulate this experience? Um, I haven't decided. Side trip, everybody. <laughs> no one's got anything big planned in the next month or so, have they? I'd be the one most likely to survive on this ship because of being heavily pregnant. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the act and like an ethical activity that we used to do with young people at my work was that scenario with like all the different people on the ship, and you had to, you know, one was a doctor, one was a mother, and all, you had to, um, you know, decide who you're going to throw off the ship first. So, but I reckon with you lot, I've I've probably got the trump card. Yeah, you do win. Yeah, and then I'll just be enjoying a Toblerone, a vat of curry, and a rubber ring while <laughs> you all. <laughs> Try to get to shore safely. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So question one um, is, well, we thought it was a good idea to start just by defining discipleship and asking, yeah, what, what do we mean when we talk about um, disciples of Jesus? What, what, what does discipleship mean? I think I take quite a simplistic look at it in terms of it's literally following Jesus. Yeah. In terms of doing what he would do, going where he would go, being who he would be. Because um, it kind of comes from this idea, I think, in the, in the uh, Jewish tradition where rabbis invited people to follow after them to learn what they were doing to teach things in the way that they would teach them and to literally kind of be that apprentice and to learn how they do it and to then become like them. Mm. So when Jesus says, come follow me, it's about becoming like Jesus in the simplest form. I think for me, one thing I think about when people say about discipleship is the inward upward outward model that we've talked about I think on the podcast before mm. um inward being um kind of discipleship so talking with close friends and sort of growing together outward being looking out at um you know helping others a- away from you sort of normal friendship group and it upward being looking towards God and um sort of your private relationship with God I guess personal relationship um so yeah, when I think of discipleship, I quite often think of the inward, um, the sort of growing, but also growing with other people. Mm. It's interesting there because I, I guess Jesus embodied all of those up in and out, didn't he? So actually, living like Jesus and trying to, you know, base your life on him would encompass all three of those as discipleship, wouldn't it? But I, I, I totally agree with you that when I think about discipleship, I tend to think of it as the in, rather than you know the like all three of those being part of me being a disciple i think for me discipleship is really that um learning journey and i guess that sort of learning experience and and just sort of um as obviously we've said um obviously the original context was that you'd um obviously spend time um with obviously a rabbi and sort of learning from them and that works the same with sort of Jesus and and it is as as cheesy as it sounds it is um just becoming Christ-like and um I cannot remember the name um but um I, I liken it to being a mini Jesus and for me I think that's what um discipleship is really all about it is becoming a mini Jesus in your sphere of the world. Yeah, I think it's important that we consider it as a journey as well, because if we consider the, the journeys of the of the first disciples, that involved like denying Jesus at points, it, it involved doubting, it involved um, fear, it involved all kinds of um, things that didn't just make it always seem that they were growing towards holiness. And I think that's quite an important aspect of discipleship being a journey, that it is that it's a gradual, it's a desire to gradually become more like Christ, but that that doesn't necessarily look like like a straight line on a graph, if that makes sense. And I think that when we talk about discipleship, we can easily condense it to this really like, nice and sentimental definition of what it means but that actually discipleship really is quite messy isn't it and it's certainly in in the encounters with Jesus that the early disciples had it wasn't all plain sailing and 
yeah, that's that's quite an important thing to remember, I think. Definitely. I think it's such a a sort of journey of grace in a way, in that actually, uh, actually acknowledging that we're going to get it wrong along the way, but actually God's grace is basically great enough to basically cover the times that, that, we're, that we're, when we are going to get it wrong. Um, but yeah, definitely agree with you in that it's not a straight and narrow path. It's probably a very windy and very wide path. Question number two, and uh, what has helped nurture our own discipleship? So do you have any examples, personal experiences that have helped you um, on your journey with Christ? Anything that you think you would pinpoint as being nurturing your own discipleship? Yeah, I think there's so many ways you could answer this question. And looking back over my life, I've, I've been really fortunate that there are lots of lots of people along the way that have really fed into fed into my life and helped me in that journey of discipleship but uh, what's come to mind um, just now uh, which if you'd asked me this question another day it might have been totally different thing that came to mind but here we are um, it was something that I remember um, someone talking about I can't even remember who it was that said this but they were talking about how um, we all like everyone decides to worship something and everyone decides to follow something and whether you're re- religious or not, whether you're Christian or not, whether uh, who, ev- anyone uh, in the world worships and follows something, whether that's their job, whether it's money, whether it's uh, a football team or whether it's a celebrity or uh, something like that. We all we all follow someone. And actually, the, the call of Christianity, the call of Jesus is to decide to follow Jesus and to not uh, not follow those other things. So I remember that being a bit of a. Uh, a turning point I guess in my in the way I thought about my faith because it it makes it a lot more of an active thing it's actually oh, okay my faith actually affects how I how I react to things in the situation it affects how I make life decisions it affects you know that it, it becomes the lens through which I view the world because that is you know that was I'm trying to be like Jesus in every scenario that I I find myself in so yeah I guess some of the teaching I've received um, along the way is is one of those things that has really nurtured my discipleship in helping me to form my thoughts around what it means to follow Jesus. I think for me, and it's something that I don't always get right. Um, it's establishing um, healthy spiritual rhythms and, and trying to get into those patterns and um, where it, where it doesn't become this, Oh, I've got to go and do this now. It just becomes a natural part of basically our being and I will be the first to hold my hands up and say that I don't always get that right. And so that's something that I'm still definitely working on. Um, I think for me, thinking about how, obviously, my discipleship's been nurtured over the years, um, I think a lot of it has come from spending time with other disciples, as, as sort of cheesy as that sounds, uh, journeying alongside other people and being able to wrestle with God alongside others um sharing in what i'm thinking and what i've been reading and what i've been listening to and just really i guess just being able to um be in a share with a group of people and and grow alongside them and walk that road with them um and yeah just have that ability to um share in a fellowship 
alongside other people, I think is a big part for me when I think about how, think about how obviously um, my discipleship's been nurtured over the years. Yeah, I think maybe that's why when we said discipleship, I thought of the inward part of sort of Jesus' ministry. As soon as I um, think about that, I think about talking with close friends and having groups like this to explore what my faith means um, and, and grow in that way. And I think that's where I feel most nurtured. Um, I think there are other avenues of people who we've maybe... Not that I don't look up to you. This is about to sound really bad. Not that I have no respect for you or anything. <laughs> um, I think people that, especially when we're younger, that we look up to in church settings, um, you can be t- discipled by, um, almost just by example, not by anything sort of um, prescriptive or set in place, but just by the example that other Christians lead. And I can think of people that um, I thought I wanted to be like that. But it wasn't any of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Not. You're for the alternative of I don't want to be like that. <laughs> I think for me, obviously, some of it comes from within the context of church and journeying with people, as you guys have said. But also in terms of like reading, whether it's reading the Bible or reading other books, looking at that, um, looking at the person of Jesus and looking at how he reacts in different situations. Because sometimes we find ourselves in um, in relationships or in situations where we're not quite sure in terms of what would Jesus do in this situation and trying to relate what we read about Jesus and kind of apply it to where we are. Because I think obviously one of the, the main things about Jesus was that he loved others. But actually, what does loving others look like? And I think even my understanding of what loving others looks like has changed. It doesn't just mean giving others what they think they want. Actually, how does that, how does the boundaries that Jesus put in place look like? How does he express that love? Perhaps in ways that we don't think naturally is that. So it's, yeah, it's getting to know more, uh, learn more about who Jesus is and what he did and how that applies to my reality, I think. Yeah, I think for me, there's so many things, isn't there, that like can can deepen our discipleship. The first is how I look at scripture. And when I ask myself, what is this encounter with Jesus? How is this encounter with Jesus calling me to action? Because, you know, we believe that the word is active and that it's living. So when we look at scripture, how how is this firstly God's way of shaping my character and how is it calling me to action? I think that's a really a really significant way that has helped nurture me and then I think also you know we've talked about other people um discipling us or other Christians but also other people that are not Christians other world perspectives have really helped to sharpen my faith and help me to question is the pattern that, of Christ's example still something that I hold to be true and when I've looked through you know, different lenses and different worldviews. And the more diverse um, experiences I've had, particularly with different denominations, I would say definitely being part of a chaplaincy team of different denominations has massively nurtured my own discipleship because we're finding commonality in what is the Christ perspective, not just the church perspective, not just our denominational perspective. What is the Christ perspective here? So, yeah, I think just like 
being enriched by other people's experiences, by the diversity in the world, which ultimately God created, and seeing that amazing, diverse world that, that um, is around us is one of the things that definitely has nurtured my own discipleship. And it's, uh, it's a few interesting um, themes that have run through a lot of those answers there. One, uh, I, I think we've, we may have all mentioned in some way as some sort of sense of community or um, it, doing it with others. Um, and I, I, we may all just say, uh, like being complete agreement here, but do you think then discipleship has to happen within community? C- can, can you follow Jesus uh, just on your own it's possible to fo- to follow jesus on your own but sort of as we said before when we're thinking about the upward inward outward a lot of that is about being with people or even when it's just working for people or um yeah joining together i think there's quite a lot of points when you look at jesus's ministry and what he did i mean the whole point of him coming to earth was for people so um, if we're trying to be like Jesus, then doing things for people and and with people is is a huge part of that for me. And and you just miss out on this rich tapestry of life of the way that Christ was. You know, think about him telling um, the Sermon on the Mount or just any of his, his parables. In that setting, he would have had children, he would have had women, he would have had poor, rich, political figures, religious figures. And yet he's able to hold the attention of that diverse crowd with teaching that surpasses like what humans hold to be true. It's eternal truth. So why would you then try to just do that by yourself? Because you're missing the richness of the world that God created us to inhabit. It's interesting, isn't it? Because like you hear about people who take themselves away from society in terms of take themselves away to spend time with God and don't necessarily connect with other people and it's getting that balance I guess isn't it between because Jesus took himself away to spend that time with God and then reconnected and for some of us find it easier to spend that time away some of us find it easier to spend that time with people but as you guys have been saying talking about that relationship with others and expressing it through that and if we are to love others we need to at least see others maybe (laughs) it's easier not to but I think that sort of fits into the way that when I've certainly looked at the inward, outward, upward model previously, um, there is a very much a interdependence upon each other. So for us to be able to, to serve outwardly, we have to have spent time um, upwards in terms of um, spending time with God. And, and the idea that they are, they each, coincide alongside each other and actually if you take one of those elements of discipleship away um then actually the discipleship that you're having is not going to be um as full as it can be you're missing out on 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 part of on on, on part of this experience um i'm gonna liken it to cake because claire likes cake so it's 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 like it's like we, we like like having this this cake or and 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 it sort of comes in like three layers. Yes, you can have one layer of the cake and it still tastes all right. But to get the full richness of basically flavour, you have to have all the layers almost like working together. 
So you can't just have, oh, I will take this one layer because yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna take a taste all right, but you need the full layers to get all the flavors. Absolutely. All oh, the full cake. That's cool. I would probably <laughs> <laughs> um, so my question is. How do we make and nurture disciples without being in a designated leadership position? So I was thinking along the lines of, um, I think generally when we think about making disciples or um, nurturing discipleship, um, that becomes a, a church activity quite a lot of the time. So how do we do that without having a, a specific job to do? Yeah, I think this is a good question because it, it kind of highlights one of the problems we've had in the church is that we've professionalized a lot of things in the sense that they'd be like, oh, well, we couldn't possibly do that, that we need our church leader to do that because they've uh, got some sort of degree in theology or they've been trained to do this or they've got the authority and resources and we couldn't possibly go and make disciples because that's not our job. But that's, yeah, that's not what the scriptures say. It's not what... Um, it's not how the church was built. It's not. Um, yeah, it's not really very effective if we stick to that strategy. So, yeah, it's a good question. How do we go about doing that as as individuals? I realise I've just reiterated your question and not answered it. So, <laughs> you make a really valid point, though. I think I think that, um, like you said, we we increasingly try to professionalise these things in church in order to appeal and attract, don't we? And also, then when you see um, particular church growth um you know people then suddenly come out and write books on follow this model for church growth and actually in reality those things don't necessarily work across all contexts mm. and um whilst whilst i'm sure they're written with like a biblical basis as soon as we try to organize and you know mobilize something that actually is a work of the holy spirit we are in dangerous water, aren't we? And, and then we risk that feeling of failure and why isn't this working? And this is like, you know, because we're in the pattern of human striving in order to do a work that really can only be done by the Holy Spirit and obedience. Mm. Um, so that doesn't answer the question either. No. <laughs> it, it's, it's really made me think about... Um... I, as part of my role with uh, G21, my, my job title is Digital Evangelist. And I spent a lot of time thinking about what what does that, that mean? And when I was reading about people's strategy for di digital evangelism, and there's so many like guides on how to grow your church through the, using Facebook or all this and that. And something strikes me about it as being far more marketing techniques than anything any sort of real sense of spirituality or um or faith and there's i think there is a real danger that we run the risk of of turning things into that um buzzfeed guide of five ways you can turn around your church using digital social media networks or whatever or, or, or any other method of going and making disciples but yeah i i totally agree with you if it's not spirit-led then yeah what are we doing we're, we're just running a marketing campaign aren't we and I think actually those, those, um, you know, in the question, how do we make and nurture disciples without being in a designated leadership position? Well, it just happens organically from the ground up because let's be honest, Christ in his day wasn't given a designated leadership position. <laughs> he was who he was 
He was the son of God. People saw that. People saw him as unruly. People saw him as disruptive. But it was a grassroots movement, wasn't it? And, you know, this is like, it's, it's, it's both prophetic and not prophetic for the church, isn't it? But at the same time, it's saying, actually, leadership exists at grassroots level. And, um, you know, disciples, if you're a disciple and you're following Christ, hopefully your love for him overflows in your interactions with others. And what, that is, uh, by its very nature, attractive. Um, that is the thing that should attract people to Christianity, is a, is a life patterned like Christ. And the rest is just, in the words of Paul. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, I won't go any further, but the rest is just, in the words of Paul. Yeah. If you want to hear what Emily's about to say, go back and listen to uh, the <laughs> S word. No, no, it wasn't the S word. What, what episode did we do? Language. Watch your language. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's interesting because i reckon so we're probably influenced most by people who are like us so we might have heroes who are like famous people or celebrities but actually the people who influence us are people who kind of do life like us so if we think about discipleship actually it's probably more effective to see how our friend follows jesus than it is to see how some celebrity or someone who lives a totally different life follows Jesus. Because that becomes so abstract and distant from us. But actually a friend who faces similar situations or a friend who has a similar lifestyle, actually, if we see how they are striving to follow Jesus, probably influences us more than the people who we can't necessarily relate to because they have got it all sorted or they come across as these professional disciples. I think it was really telling that when uh, we asked the previous question, what's helped nurture disciples, none of us mentioned, well, my church leader said that I should be a disciple, so I was one. Yeah. And I think that's very much the uh, the way the organised church has worked, at least in the past. Um, we've waited to be fed. Um, I guess the the next steps. Um, and, and for someone to appoint someone to be in charge of the next steps. Um, yeah, and I think the reason I asked that question is because I'm, I think I am best nurtured away from structured events. Um, having said that, we have organised a podcast to talk about discipleship, so I'm not sure how much <laughs> I agree with my own statement, but um, I think one of the reasons we started the podcast was to, have a space for people to have discussion, not to have sort of structured, um, structured time as such. Yeah. And I guess uh, reflecting back on the podcast, um, we, we acknowledge that space that perhaps we don't have in our church setups of asking the questions that we actually want to ask. <laughs> um, because, you know, I, I certainly feel that within most church environments, if you were to go and, really have some big questions to ask Sunday morning you usually isn't the time or place to do it and I think there's that's something quite sad about that um I, I and I don't I don't have the answers of how to fix that or how we how we can you know fi uh, change things but I, I I do lament in some ways that that Sunday mornings that 
time of gathering isn't a place the way we can be more open and honest and share vulnerability and ask hard questions that no one's got answers to but we're struggling with um so yeah i i if we were talking about church structures and how we can nurture and um and make disciples i'd say we need to deal with some of those issues um but um, I don't want to derail the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that you, what you're saying as well is just like sitting with uncomfortable questions and sitting with, with non-answers. And I think that when Jesus taught, spoke in parables, like he said, didn't he? Some of you won't know what this means. <laughs> and I just think that's a really helpful way of thinking of it is that, you know, we're too quick to, mm. we're too, too quick to give an answer, aren't we, sometimes to situations that we don't understand or to faith questions that we don't have. Um, and I guess that actually that is a pressure that we put on our designated leadership positions um, because we, we appoint people to these positions it does enable church structures and so i realized that the last comment that i made about leadership happening from grassroots makes it sound as if i don't think authority is necessary and it isn't that at all i do think you know there are times that you do need those positions of leadership in order that somebody can cover and protect and shield and those things but um yeah definitely an environment where we're able to sit with hard questions that that i think does nurture discipleship I think I, I, as we've been talking, I think I've been thinking, have we perhaps made um, the idea of discipleship almost too complicated? Have we professionalized it so it becomes like, oh, this is a level that you must attain? And it's almost like um, you've got to work your way up to, to, to almost like earn the rank of disciple when actually it should be the most organic and natural thing in the world. Like if I like, for example, if, if I said like, um, how do I um, make friends, for example, like it's spending time with them, it's sharing in interests. And, uh, and I, I wonder if sort of, you know, whether obviously, you know, like whether discipleship should work in the same way. It should be a really organic, natural process. It isn't one that is forced and it can just develop naturally. Um, I, 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 would liken, I would liken it to essentially just go, it, like if I'm going to visualise it, ner- being nurtured as a disciple is basically having someone to, to walk along a road with. Mm. And, and obviously if you've got, a, if you're a church leader, and you've got 60 in your congregation, you're not going to be able to necessarily be able to journey on a extremely deep level with absolutely everyone, because who has enough time in a week to, to see 60 people on a deep level and ask all the, and, and journey through the really difficult questions. So I think in, I think in sort of some respects, it is a bit of a blunt answer, but just go and do it. Like, just say, do you want to come and grab a coffee and we'll go and have a chat and we'll, and and perhaps treat it like you would a friendship and, and, and just sort of like, and just go with it. And as I imagine that if Jesus was to come back now, um, I suspect that he'd just be saying, come for a coffee, 
let's go walk and have a chat and just discuss great things there. Absolutely. I guess it comes from that. It has to be that intentional and personal choice. We have to choose to want to follow Jesus. Otherwise, no one can make us do that. We can go to church for years and years and years, and that can be a nice place to go on a Sunday morning. But if we don't intentionally choose that we want to follow after Jesus, then where does that discipleship journey go? I, th- I think the pandemic's been quite profound in that we've made, in that church has created a generation of church goers. And as soon as that you can't go to church anymore, because obviously the pandemic closed the church doors, um, how many people since haven't come back? And actually it makes me wonder whether they were, you know, were they church goers first and foremost and where, and actually, actually where does discipleship fit into going to church? Is it merely enough to, to, to sort of go to church? Um, I don't think it is. I think there has to be, uh, obviously, as we've said, a intentional choice and merely going along um, isn't, it is certainly helpful, um, but there needs to be something more to it than just going. And I think um, this question of, discipleship um really strikes at the heart of a lot of what's going on in in church at the moment and um like church uh, like attendance is declining across the uk uh, at a crazy rate we're, we're seeing um huge changes in, in what faith looks like in our country and i've seen so many people try and come up with answers about why that is what what here's the strategy to get church back on track and and I saw someone, um, uh, Alan Roxburgh is a writer on um, Mission, and he talks about, is it Alan Roxburgh? Have I mixed up two names there? Roxburgh is definitely the right second name. But he talks about um, how we can't solve church problems um, with kind of churchy answers. And, you know, Alan Hirsch says something similar by saying that um, we, you can't, the, the solutions of yesterday um, caused the problems of today in many ways. And we can't solve the problems of today with the solutions of yesterday. We actually need to acknowledge we're in a new place. And actually, I, th- I think discipleship is right at the bottom of this. Because too often we, we've talked about how can we get church back on track? How we can, how can we rebuild church? How can we do church this way? But actually, if if we're not living and acting like Jesus, if we're not centering our lives around Jesus, then church isn't going to look like Jesus, is it? So we've got this central point we need to come back to in Jesus and returning to understanding who he is and understanding how we can model our lives around him, both as individuals and a community. But I think until we really figure that out, until we really make that central to who we are as Christians, yeah, church isn't going to sort itself out. There's there's not going to be any sort of strategy or um, plan that can fix church in inverted commas uh, but yeah and that links me on to my question which isn't really a question more of a discussion point um brother andrew said the work of the church is not survival she exists to fulfill the great commission of the great commission being to make disciples Mm. what do you think about that quote the work of the church is not survival she exists to fulfill the great commission was it was it you that I was talking to the other day, Claire, about this like this idea that actually some churches are supposed to die, 
like that churches aren't always you know we've created a world in where it's seen as this like absolute travesty when church buildings close but actually that you know the the church is seasonal in different places at different times with different people and that is actually that shows the work it, the work of the holy spirit um I can't remember whether it was you, but someone definitely said that to me. I think, I think we had this conversation, didn't we? But yeah. And it is. And I guess that's the whole thing in terms of what is church? Because if church is literally a collection of people coming together on a Sunday morning, for whatever reason, is that church? Is that the purpose of church? Yeah. Is that just a nice little social group on a Sunday morning? I, I love the point about letting some churches die. Um and it sounds so cruel in in some senses, but if we were to look back at all the churches that Paul planted in in the Bible, uh, they're not around today. Would we consider them a failure for for not being around? However many thousands of years later, no. Um, so you know there there is this sort of seasonal element of church, or, or or of I guess churches in the with the small c, not the building, but like of individual little communities. They're going to shift. They're going to change. Um, but actually that the church is is going to carry on because we believe actually that's you know Jesus is at work in the church he has got a hand on 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 that so yeah I, I definitely think that perhaps we are too we're too busy holding on to buildings is one point to make in that um, and a lot of our finances and worry seems to go on buildings these days and I'm not sure whether that's a good use of of time or effort um, but yeah I yeah we we need to figure this church thing out and it 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 comes back to discipleship doesn't it i i love the the alan hirsch model of christology missiology ecclesiology which essentially says we've got to focus on christ first and then what's christ doing how can we join in with his mission and that will organically spring church in itself we don't and if we get that the wrong way round then we're going to have a a church that doesn't look like christ we're going to have a church that isn't missionally relevant um so yeah i think we need to rearrange our priorities and I think, I think when church and 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 all that stuff sort of is organic, we are going to see, rightly so, periods where there is growth and periods where there is fruitfulness. And then, just in the same way that we see it, um, obviously, obviously within the natural world, there's going to be periods where 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 things do die away, and that we. And we do um, almost go into states of hibernation, but there, but then we do spring forth again. And I think there is um, a real beauty in um, perhaps the pruning process in that you're able to strip things back and you get back to the core of, 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 of say what the plant should, should actually look like. And then once that's done, you allow for new growth and you allow for new things to to sort of to come and step into the gap that was left behind um i think speak speaking of church as being organic it is something that i think is really quite helpful um especially if we to see the church as not being an organization but being say an say a um, organism something that is alive, something that is breathing. Um, I think we need to treat it as though it is a living thing rather than a non-living organisation. 
think maybe the thing that we've forgotten and really the ch- one of the main reasons the church is in decline and has been for a while is we've got to the point of fulfilling the the mission part of that um that you're talking about ed um but then not realizing that we no longer fulfill it and when that time for change comes rather than dying what we should be doing is reflecting on why and making those changes ideally before there aren't any christians left um and yeah i think we're, we're just not reactive enough maybe because we're comfortable um because we know it, it has worked in the past and i think we've clung on to um previous success in that respect um but we yeah i think we've fallen away from that um without wanting to react or noticing there was a need to react at the right time there's a quote from dallas willard which says there's not a single thing wrong with the church today that discipleship to jesus christ would not cure and i find that really challenging but on reflection absolutely if we are following after jesus and the church is built on him then actually all those things which cause us so much stress cause us so much angst and hurt within the church if we all as individuals and a church were following after jesus as much as we could would those things be cured maybe not cured in the sense that we might want it to be Uh, but i think we would know what needs to go and what needs to stay and we would all be in agreement on that the tricky thing is that there are something like forty-four thousand denominations within christianity who all read the Bible differently, who all have different sets of doctrine and different understandings of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And this is where I get, uh, cynical is the wrong word, but I find it I find it a difficult subject because we say, yeah, actually, if we all get closer to Jesus, if we all follow Jesus more closely, every, everything will be resolved. Yes, I believe that. But if we all are looking at our own image our own projection of jesus our own fabrication in some ways of who jesus is we're, we're getting drawn closer to ourselves in many ways and uh, i think it's really hard then to cut beyond that to look for the the objective jesus beyond the the world lens that we we have and that we've acquired and um yeah i don't know how we get there <laughs> And I think also, I was going to say this earlier, actually, Ed, you've made like a really good point there about asking the question of like, can you be a disciple of Christ by yourself? Like, that's why the answer is no, because Mm. as it says in scripture, iron sharpens iron. And so, yes, there are all these different perspectives and there are all these different world experiences on who Christ is. And and certainly man does make Christ in his own image. But the reality is that like Jesus doesn't require his church to be perfect. He's the perfecter. He's he knows his church is broken. And then when he died on the cross, he died knowing that one of his disciples has just betrayed him like he can't comfort his mother in her in her grief like all those different aspects of what what Jesus did for us he's the perfecter and the champion of our faith and his church is broken and he loves us regardless and that's really hard for us to comprehend because human love has limitations so when I look at certain strands of Christianity that I maybe wouldn't even call Christianity um you know it's really hard to 
consolidate my own worldview and perspective. But actually, I don't have to because ultimately that is Christ's job is to draw and redeem all men to him. Um, so I just think like it's so difficult, isn't it? But the sooner we accept and acknowledge that Christ loves his church in its brokenness, then none of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> wow what a place to reach um excellent point to end that's maybe not what the point that i wanted to end on because it's supposed to be like a positive thing but i just think that is amazing isn't it you know that it is in our brokenness it is in our disagreements it's in our disruption um it's in our you know the moment that the that the church is facing at the minute you know like you said we've just recently done a church survey to stop and reflect and ask the question actually let's not look at this as failure let's look at this as god is calling his people to something new and actually these problems that churches as organizations are facing were there before the pandemic but what the pandemic has done is actually bring them all to the surface so that we have to go okay well what is god calling us to and actually how does that look so different and it doesn't look that different to what it did biblically, but it does look different to how it has operated traditionally. And I think that's very, very hard for us to cope with, even people that are prophetic and even people that, you know, say this is what God's doing and it's so exciting. We still each cling to what we think it should look like. And that's a scary new territory to be drawn into. Mm. Um, but yeah. I think something I'd say real encouragement from um, was the verse of scripture that obviously um, I had Sunday just gone. Um, and it was from Philippians 1, verses 1 to 6. And um, it was using the voice translation. And 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 sort of the takeaway nugget was that um, Christ won't stop mid-design. And, and yes, that is true personally but i also believe that is very much true for the church um god's not finished perfecting us god's not finished pruning us and reshaping us and 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 the whole like remolding us and i don't believe that god's finished obviously obviously with the church either we've just got to let him keep doing his thing because i believe it'll be all right in the end if we let him finish what he started. That's all we've got time for today, but we look forward to sharing with you in the next couple of weeks. Be well. Bye.